Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me all the way down in Puerto Rico, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. So you're still in America. Technically, yeah. Technically in America. With me tonight is Caleb Jenks down in Puerto Rico on vacation with his family, and we are going to try to do an episode on church attendance. So, Caleb, you brought up the subject as far as uh, going over this. Tell tell me what you were thinking. Well, I I just thought it's something that doesn't oftentimes get addressed until you're dealing with a specific situation. And mm-hmm. then it's close and personal and you have uh, a lot of feelings involved and whatever. And maybe it would be wise for churches or, or pastors to discuss this ahead of time with their congregation. So uh, I don't see it happen enough. And I also had personal experience with a situation where my my family did not, uh, there wasn't kind of a, my, my, my dad left a church when I was pretty young. My mom continued to attend, and there wasn't a unity there between my parents. I've had personal relationships with other friends that one has left a church and doesn't attend church with the spouse or some of the children. And I, I just think that it can it can easily get really sticky and messy and turn into a toxic situation where uh, maybe a little wisdom would go a long ways. But it's obviously yeah, I think we probably all, we, if you're a Christian, you've been around church, everybody's been around somebody that was like that, where where the family was kind of split up, where half of them went to church and half of them didn't, or the, the mom or the dad attends church with half of the kids or something, and it's it's just always messy, it's, it's what I've seen anyways. Yeah, you, you mentioned in the, in the beginning, you know, something that uh, um, you don't hear too much mentioned in church, and um, maybe pastors need to bring it up, you know the problem with that all the people that need to hear the message are not going are, to church. Are the ones that aren't going to church. Got it. I mean, you know, talking about yeah, the exactly. importance of church isn't really something people need to hear when they're sitting in the pews. They're yeah. like, yeah, we get it. We're here. You Have know, you've been around people where one spouse attends one church and another t- attends a different church. I have. And so let me, uh, so that's, that's a little different, but it can oh, yeah. be just as, as sticky and maybe even worse, but both of them, both of them may be listening to this podcast <laughs> or, or one or the other, yeah. one or the other, or both of you may run across this. If you do share it with your spouse, you can fight over it later. Okay. So tell me what, so we have a handful of different scenarios. We have the individual Christian that's single and they're not attending church. Okay. They're the outlier. Then you have a husband and wife and one of them is not attending church. And then you have a husband and a wife, uh, where both of them are attending church, but they are different churches. Right. And then you have the person that loves going to church and loves reading the Bible and loves singing hymns and loves learning about God and loves hanging out with the, you know, some of their friends that are at church and different Christians and the whole thing. So we can ignore those people because they don't need to hear the message. I would imagine that whoever needs to hear this message that's not going to church is probably not looking up Christian podcasts either. But, you know, who, who knows? Maybe someone will come across it. So which one of those scenarios do you want to jump into and talk about first? 
well, I guess we, I don't really care which, which one we tackle first, but I, the first one that came to my mind when you, when you mentioned that is, um, uh, would be, uh, I guess the simplest situation would be a, a couple where there's no children involved mm-hmm. where one attends church and the other one doesn't. I mean, that's just as cut and dried of a situation for somebody that hasn't been in the middle of a sticky situation. That's, that seems pretty simple. Like what's the big deal? One goes to church, the other one doesn't. Right. I mean, there shouldn't be any conflict. Okay. So is it the husband that is not going to church or is it the wife that's not going to church? Well, I think that makes a difference personally. Sure. But, uh, oh yeah. yeah. So let's say, let's say, let's say we're dealing with a situation where the um, husband is not attending church and the wife is attending church because I think that's more common. Unfortunately, that's what I've, that's what I've seen. Okay. So uh, is the husband ends up burned out. The wife mm-hmm. is attending church. Okay. Husband staying home. Wife's going to church. Okay. So what are your thoughts there? I'm going to pull up a Bible verse. You go ahead and tell me what you think. What? Okay, so first of all, is there a problem with that? I mean, let's start at the beginning. Is it important to go to church? Okay. Right. I okay, mean, so obviously, you know, we have our opinions, we, but yeah. Right. Okay, so if you, if you consider church attendance as a biblical commandment, which I... I don't know that I would say ch- church attendance is necessarily clearly defined as uh, as a biblical commandment, but in Hebrews ten twenty five it says, "Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you do as you see the day approaching." So I think that this would be the, my my grounds for saying that church attendance is biblical, and it is it is something that the Bible commands us to. We are supposed to assemble ourselves with with other believers. So if you see it as a, a biblical command that needs to be obeyed, and if, if any of you guys are watching this episode and watched a recent episode where we talked on civil disobedience, mm-hmm. um, this would be a situation where if a wife uh, wanted to attend church and her husband didn't attend church, and maybe even he prohibited her from attending church, said he, he doesn't want her to, I would say that there could be a situation where she has the right to say, I'm going to church anyways, mm-hmm. even though that's not being submitted to her husband. Now, the reason I say there is a situation where that could be is if you're going to church just to spite your husband uh, and that's the motive to do it, then you're probably not do- going to church for the right reason. But if you are trying to obey God and somebody else is getting in your way of doing that, then I think that you actually have uh, there's biblical grounds for you to obey God rather than man. And that in that case would be your husband. Now, I think pa- there's patience and some long suffering that could go into that and maybe some, some prayer and sensitivity to, to the subject. And, and maybe some, some wives may feel that they're best to stay home and, and submit themselves to their husband and worship God and, and assemble with whatever believers they can outside of church. I'm not sure. What's your thought on that? Well, I'm going to take the other side of the coin. Honestly, what I'm going to say is in that situation, which let's face it really doesn't come up too often. Um, but I, you and I are both going to have a, uh, wife, uh, come and ask that question sooner or later, which is, um, my husband doesn't like me coming to church. He doesn't want me going here and you know, he's mad and gives me a hard time and acts like an immature baby every time I go to church or take the kids to church. That conversation is going to come up sooner or later. Right. This is what I explain. I say, okay, here's, here's what you're going to do. You're going to start with going to your husband and sitting him down. I would suggest doing this after you make him his favorite dinner on a day where he's having a good day. 
Okay. So let's just, you know, go for the best case scenario. Right. And then you're going to sit them down. You're going to say, look, I need to talk to you about something. And I need to talk to you about something that I know, you know, you're not happy with, but please hear me out for just a minute. Here's the situation. I really enjoy going to church. Uh, the kids really enjoy it. And I'm asking if you would be okay with it. Um, and uh, if there is something that needs to change to where you can be okay with it, you know, please let me know. Uh, is it, wh- what don't you like about it? Um, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to obey you, but I also want to go to church. And I just want to let you know that if you tell me I can, I'm not going to, but I would really miss it. I really do love going. So if there's something I can do or something we can change, you know, that would make it better. Please let me know. Usually when you, how many husbands, when their wife comes to them like that, are going to have a bad attitude and tell them no. So, so you're going to go with some humility, which is always a good trait. Okay. We would do the same thing when we would go and bring our appeal before the king. Um, we do that when we pray, right? We don't right. go there with a proud, you know, haughty spirit and demand from God uh, what we think we should get. So I think that's a good idea. And if you don't get the result you're looking for, then what I think the wives need to do is go to First uh, Peter chapter 3 and look at uh, verses one and two. So likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be, or sorry, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So what Peter is telling us there is that you should be in subjection to your husband. And if he obeys not the word, he can be won over by your conversation, talking to the wife. Meaning the way you carry yourself, the way you talk to him, um, your, uh, your attitude, these are the things that's going to win him over And the way I look at it is the fastest way to get your husband to change his attitude, change his mind, change his beliefs is to go to God in prayer and then to um, not fight, not argue, not nag. None of those things are good. They don't teach that in hostage negotiating anywhere. Uh, That is not a form of um you know uh uh when you're talking about you know uh businessmen haggling over a deal none of those terms are used that doesn't help the situation ever and what you're going to do is you are going to win your husband over okay with your chase conversation coupled with fear okay he is going to come around based on your attitude when you are in subjection to him I'm not saying that's going to be easy. I know it's not going to be easy because if it was easy, God wouldn't have to tell us to do it in the Bible. And I'm not going to say it's what you're going to want because you might not really have a whole lot of, 
you know, respect or reverence for your husband at the time, because he is what's getting in the way of part of your relationship with God. But the fact is, in those situations, you know, the Christian can still be just as close to God, even if they're locked up in a prison by, you know, chained up to Roman guards, uh, as if they are free and able to go to church. And uh, you can still uh, have that sweet time with God and your Bible and your kids. You can still do those things. And I do believe with all my heart that, just like the Bible says, your husband will be won over. So, I would go, uh, I would go that route. I think, uh, you know, disobeying him is just going to cause problems. Okay. So, so give it to me. Yeah. So here in, in Corinthians we have, and I, I agree with your take on this. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, like I, like I said, I do think there could be situations where, okay, if I was the pastor of a church and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and somebody came to me and that said, my wife, my husband won't come to church with me, but I want to attend church. Yeah. Now, if they're, if the husband is supportive of it, then great. No big deal. Yeah. Go ahead. Who cares? Um, okay, great. Go to church. Not supportive yeah. of it. Um, I don't think the church, I would never prohibit the wife and say, no, you can't come, but I would certainly never encourage her. I would say, why don't you take a step back, go on a date, talk mm-hmm. to your husband, um, see if you guys can get through this and, and realize it's not urgent because I, some of the women that I've seen that became frantic in a situation like this, they just had to go to church even against their husband's will. Yeah. And I've never really seen it where it was explicitly forbidden. It was more sure. like it was, they didn't appreciate it. They didn't approve of it. They're yeah. going and, and, and oftentimes it becomes a toxic situation where it's done despite them. But in the case where, where the husband doesn't approve of it, mm-hmm. they're not in support of it. Um, in, if you look in first uh, Corinthians, uh, let's see what do I have it here. Chapter 20, I believe. I thought I had this pulled up and pull back up. Okay. Sorry. Uh, seven. And if we go down to verse 13, um, oh yeah, verse 13. So first Corinthians seven, 13 and the woman which have hath an un- a husband that believeth not, and he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. So I I think that sometimes if you realize, if you have a good understanding of where you, who you are in God's eyes, where your salvation comes from, and you, you're not looking to have not looking to somehow achieve your salvation through the church, you won't end up in a frantic situation where all of a sudden you think that your marriage is worth jeopardizing your marriage for the service that's coming up this Sunday yeah. at church. Like I think usually there can be a lot of, a lot of space for being patient and tolerant and saying, okay, if you don't, you know, what, what is it that you're going through? What is it that you don't believe in now? If the husband's unbelieving in the case where a husband is unbelieving and it's not just, he's burnt out and he's upset with, the, the church or whatever, but if he's an unbelieving husband, I do think that it's important for the wife to show a lot of importance on her, on her belief in in God and how important that is for for her to attend church or to have fellowship. Because I think, in the situation where you are a a Christian woman without the spiritual leadership of your husband, you need to follow his lead in all other regards. But as far as in spiritual matters. You are sort of the spiritual leader, unfortunately, in the home in that situation until your husband steps up and is saved. If your husband is not a believer, um, it would be it would be good for you to have fellowship. But especially nowadays, I, I find it hard to believe 
um, I find it hard to believe that a woman couldn't have any fellowship or encouragement without attending church. There, there is social media. There's ways to communicate with people, phone calls that you could make, friends you could have, Bible studies you could do. It seems that there's ways that, that it's not, I mean, I just don't see how it could be imperative, so imperative that a woman would need to rebel. Now, I have known of a couple of situations where the wife was at her wit's end and mm-hmm. church was like the only thing that helped keep her sanity together. Abusive husband, uh, just really toxic situations. And this is how she was able to go on. This is mm-hmm. how she found a way to go on and she did it against his will. And, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen situations like that where the children grew up and be, you know, it, the, the mom basically got all the way through the dad was an alcoholic drunkard and, and the mom held the whole home together. And, and he was just, I mean, he was irresponsible in, in all regards. I, I almost feel like it depends on how, how decent a human being they are. If they're not an unsaved person, if they're, if they're kind of a, if your husband is irresponsible and an alcoholic and not even taking care of himself, I, I don't know. It, it seems like in, in some ways that, that it, the roles end up reversed in those situations. I've just seen some situations where it seemed that the church should have been able to help lead the wife into, into helping to reverse the whole toxic situation there. And I don't know if there, if it wasn't, um, I really, I feel like leadership starts from the, the top down in a home and it's, it's a bad, it's it, until the, until the husband is a believer, it can stay as a bad situation probably the whole way through. You would think sometimes that by the wife's prayers, that uh, the husband would get saved, but maybe it's not going to be until he's on his deathbed or, or in his old age. And, and so it's just a sticky situation all the way through. I, where I have a problem with it is where a church encourages the wife or presses the wife in that situation. It's totally different when it's a husband to me, but when it's the, when it's the wife and the, and the church kind of steps in and usurps the husband's authority in the home and encourages the wife to go against the husband, I, I have a problem with that. And I, I feel that that's, unbiblical and irresponsible on, on church leadership. Yeah, I agree. Um, when churches push the wife to disobey the husband's wishes, uh, it it never ends up going well. There's going to be animosity, uh, between the two. There's going to be a resentment from the husband to the church as there should be. And, uh, really, let me, let me start with this. This is why it is so important you pick the right spouse. I thought you were going to say the right church. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, picking the right church is probably a good idea too. But seriously, folks, you have to understand, if you are already married, then you need to understand that your children, the, the two biggest decisions they will ever make in their life is, number one, choosing the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Number two, who are they going to marry? If you are not actively praying for your children and their spouse. I don't care if they're a newborn. You should be praying for their spouse now. And you should be preparing them to marry the right person your whole life. If you have a little girl, uh, the mom should be telling her, oh, you know, look at dad. You should marry someone like him. Look how hard he works. Oh, see him reading his Bible. He loves God. You need to marry someone like him. That should be a normal part of conversation in a home. And if you have boys growing up, wow, uh, look at mom. Look how hard she works to take care of us. You want a wife like that. 
look at mom even when she's not feeling good she has such a good attitude and she works so hard for us you know she, oh look at her she she's reading the bible she's always ready for church that's the kind of woman you want to marry you should be having those conversations and you should be praying for the spouse of your children your entire life because the worst thing that's going to happen is you put all this effort and energy into your child and then they marry a bozo and then their life is going to be miserable to some degree for quite a while because the person they married doesn't really care about God or care about church. That's eh, not really a priority. Or, oh, we go to church, you know, once a month. Isn't that good enough? You want to make sure that your kids marry right. If you are not a parent, maybe you are someone who hasn't gotten married yet, you need to understand that the person you marry will dictate how the rest of your life is going to work out, whether it's going to be miserable or whether it's going to be wonderful. You really need to pick a spouse that loves God. That needs to be big. You want someone who is going to make you into a better Christian. So, I just wanted to say that I wanted to make that point and just hit it on the head really hard so that we're all clear. That's where you want what you want to do is you don't want to have to listen to this podcast and listen to the advice right. Caleb and I are giving you right now. You want to avoid this whole mess. That's what you want to do. But if you can't, um, I, I made my point as far as what I think uh, the wife should do. Uh, if you are getting advice from your church that you need to uh, disobey your husband, you need to go behind his back, you need to be sneaky. I don't see that supported anywhere in the Bible. That's the exact opposite of what God says. Uh, so I, I think that is you're asking for a mess that that's not going to help you at all. And for that matter, you should really be questioning uh, the leadership of the church that you're going to. If it's the other situation where the wife doesn't like going to church and the husband sees that God is important and he loves the Bible and those things are important. Well, guess what? You're the man. You wear the pants in the family. Ladies, you might not like this. You're not in charge. He is. God told him he's the one that's supposed to be leading the family. So you don't have to ask your permission. Uh, you don't have to ask your wife permission to go to church. Did you hear that, fellas? I'm going to say that again. You don't have to ask your wife permission to go to church. You don't have to ask your wife permission to uh, read the Bible or give money to church or do anything like that. You're the one that God said is in charge. So you just need to grow up and put the big boy pants on and you need to act like it. So, hey, can I read a verse that I on that real quick? about big boy pants? Jump in. I'd love to hear one. <laughs> so Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. This is this is. Um, this is something that I think that husbands should keep in mind with this. Nowadays, we have nice guy Christian men that have been emasculated in church that are told that um, any sort of leadership is being controlling and you're, you're oh, yeah. a dictator and yep. whatever. Okay, but this is what the Bible actually says about this. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your, this is Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved also the church and gave himself for it. Uh, so, and and it says that he may sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. So if if our responsibility as husbands is to is to love our wives even as Christ loved the church, uh, if your wife says I don't want to go to church, I don't like church, 
I'm not saying that you that there that you can't be considerate about it, but the most considerate and loving thing to do to your wife and to your children is to follow God. And as you follow God and and attend church, your wife is going to be able to find the peace that she's looking for, uh, or or she doesn't. <laughs> Whether she does or not, mm-hmm. you did your you did the right thing by choosing to to follow follow Christ because I, I believe that leadership and and the the pecking order, so to speak, in in the home is easiest when the husband is is following Christ and the wife sees that the husband is in submission to Christ. So if the husband is is just casually uh, you know a casual Christian doesn't have put any value. The same thing I said about the wife if if the if the spouse sees that the that the other spouse actually values this enough that they're willing to that they're willing to say this means enough to me that I'm going to go to church. Yeah. Uh, at that point the, the it's easier for the wife to follow because she knows the direction the husband is going. The husband oh, has yeah. a clear direction. He says, no, I'm following Jesus, whether you come with me or not. Are you yeah. coming along? And and it makes it easier for her to follow because she knows where he's going. She may not like it. She may not agree, mm-hmm. but she she knows that he's unwavering, you know, however imperfect it, that he is in it. He's following Jesus. And so that's that makes it easier, I believe, for the for the wives to follow the husband because they can look to the Bible and see where their husband is going. Absolutely. And on that um, point you made about, you know, it's obviously easiest if the husband is not a casual Christian, uh, what we call uh, the Bible actually has a word for that. Uh, God calls those people a joke or actually, no, I'm sorry. That's not fair. God says that he wants to throw up uh, when when he sees (laughs) you. So uh, that's important. If you, 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 okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to give this to you, Caleb. I have um, Christian friends who you know, they both got saved. They got married in church. Uh, they got baptized. They have kids. They're raising their kids in church. They're serious about God. They're serious about everything. They read their Bibles. They're doing well. Neither of them are in church anymore. Okay. They are, they don't, you know, take it seriously. They have a bunch of excuses for why they don't go to church. It's not like they miss church once in a while. It's like they ain't going. Okay. No church uh, knows the names of these people right now because they just flat don't go. They don't bring their kids, obviously. Uh, It's not even like they send their kids with some other family. I mean, you know, nobody has anything to do with church. And the husband, I know, is a guy that is still struggling kind of like, you know, to read his Bible and to pray and wants to take God seriously. But it's like, look, buddy, until you make a decision, God's either going to be important in your life or he's not. And you, you, if you just dabble your toes in the God pool you're never, you're not doing anything. You're not helping anyone. You got to make a decision. You got to say, God's important in my life. That's why I'm going to read the Bible every day. And that's why I'm going to pray every day. And by the way, when I say every day, if you can hit five out of seven, that's great. Okay. Things come up and people are sick and the alarm didn't go off and you got to work early and whatever. Okay. I'm, I'm not trying to paint a picture like Caleb or I, you know, or this real model Christian that's just nailing it down. No, but we're guys that are trying to do the best we can and we take it seriously. And guess what? Every week we're in church with our family. I would love to ask Caleb if he was at church this morning in Puerto Rico, but I'm not gonna because I don't want him to have to lie to everyone on the podcast. 
So we're going <laughs> to skip that question. But my point is, my friend is not going to church. He's not bringing his kids to church. And it's like, look, man, you're a joke. And God has enough of those. He doesn't need another Christian dad that's a joke. He needs someone that's going to get up once every week, stuff the kids into the car, you know, shove a bagel into their mouth, have them drink some orange juice and march them off to church. And they're going to, they're going to have Bibles. They're going to read their Bibles. They're going to pray together. It's not easy to do, but you're either a joke or you're not. Don't be a Christian joke. God has far too many of those already. So that's the one side of the, the spectrum. Okay. Where man, it's just not happening. I'm going to give you the other side of the spectrum. And that is the dad that's kind of dictatorial. And I don't think this is a good way to go. I don't think if you have a wife that is not wanting to go to church. So you're the dad, you're serious about God, you love God, you bring your kids to church. I don't think the putting your foot down and telling your wife, you know, she has to go is going to get you real far. It doesn't matter. Uh, that you have the authority keep in mind whatever authority you think you have she has to go along with it and you know she might not so i don't know how that one's how that fight's going to work i doubt you're just going to grab her by the hair and club her over their head and drag her into the car like a caveman you know and bring her into church so i don't think the you know the heavy-handed putting your foot down kind of way is the way to win your wife over to go into church um at all but i will say this I also know guys that are in the middle where their wife's like, eh, and the husbands don't exercise their authority at all. And that's a problem too, because they're only going to be able to follow someone who is leading. Right. And, and there's, I know lots of guys where their wives are failing God terribly. And I don't blame the wife. I blame the husband. Right. I've talked to my friends and been like, dude, when are you going to sit your wife down and have a talk with her about this? Oh, what? I don't know what you mean. Yeah. It's, hey, whose job do you think it is? It's yours. You're the one that married her. You need to lead her. You need to when help they, her. When they say, what do you, what do you mean? You mean like, well, you think I'm going to sit at your wife? Yeah. <laughs> You're the one. There's a problem. You see the problem. You know what the problem is. It's your job to help her through this issue. So if you're not going to work on it. So I know plenty of guys where they are good Christian guys. Their wife loves them to death. And they just need more of a backbone because their wife would bend over backward and do whatever they ask because the husband's a wonderful guy. The wife loves him to death. And it's like, look, man, you know, you're, you're the, you're the, you're the, you're the problem. Okay. Your wife's failures, they're your problem. You need to help her with this. You need to encourage her with this. You need to, and I'll use the term, put your foot down. Okay, there are times when you need to say, look, honey, th- th- what you're doing is just not okay. All right, this isn't okay. God's not okay with it. We need to make a change. It's hurting me. It's hurting the kids. Are we just going to pretend that this isn't a problem? That conversation needs to happen. So I've seen all sides of the spectrum, 
and uh you know heavy-handed authoritarian dictatorial you know type of leadership i don't see it getting it done um you know lukewarm joke of a christian jesus throws you up out of his mouth because he's sick of you you know obviously uh you know the dad or the husband needs to change that and then there's somewhere in the middle where it's like look man um like you said caleb who do you think's gonna you know do you think your neighbor's gonna come by and talk to your wife about this like she's your wife you married her god said you're the one that's supposed to lead and do you under do the dads and the fathers out there understand that part of leadership is teaching like maybe your wife doesn't know what's expected of her by god do you know that that's your job as a dad for your kids they obviously don't know what's expected of them from god because they're kids so if you're not teaching them well guess what buddy that's why it's not happening because you need to take an active role in in the leadership and the teaching of your family i've talked for way too long caleb i'm sure you have a comment on some of it jump on in buddy Okay, so a couple things that I, that I uh, thought of as we were talking. So something you said sometime back was uh, it's important to pick the right spouse. Yeah. And I agree with that. Okay, so, um, but that only goes, I mean, that's one and done once it's done. I mean, obviously, yes. once, you're, once you're there, you're there. So, yep. um, so the same importance that should be put on picking the right spouse should also be put on, if, if, if it's meaningful to you to have a good spouse, it should also be meaningful to have a good marriage once you do have the spouse. So. Mm-hmm. In, in, in these conflict situations that would come up where you're fighting over church, uh, which is the assumption here. I mean, obviously, if if there's no dispute and one just goes to church and the other is like, hey, have a good day. You know, I'll, I'll be watching the football game. See you mm-hmm. when you get back. Um, then that's not really an issue. The husband's supportive. The wife goes to church. Uh, I just I don't I, I have no problem with that. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, do your thing. But in the situation where there's a conflict with it on, on either end, I would I would say that it would be considerate of a husband or a wife to to consider taking a, a period of time to address other issues in their marriage that may. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that Jesus is the answer to a lot of our a lot of our issues that we have. Um, but sometimes there's underlying issues in a marriage where uh, no different than issues that would be in a church, which we may get into that in a minute as far as. Uh, Christian couples that are attending two different churches. Oh yeah. Marriage issues in a marriage that you need to address to set things right, such that uh, this, this could be the symptom of a deeper problem. The church Mm -hmm. attendance issue may be that you're right on the church attendance issue, but you're wrong on some other issues that you need to go back and make right with your spouse or that you need to set some things straight. It's interesting how I see so many Christians and even churches taking our cues from, from the, societal norms in our day so we whatever is normal for other families uh you you mentioned people you know what what is the standard for a controlling dictator husband well that's that's there's it like you said it's a wide spectrum Mm -hmm. but if if a husband if a husband suggesting okay if society says that anytime there's a dispute within a marriage or a disagreement that you always compromise and meet in the middle that's not that's nonsense yeah that's not the bible so and and caleb i know plenty of pastors where that's what they think they think it's a 50 50 partnership i've heard that several times 
Yeah, some of those pastors where the husband preaches half of the message and the wife preaches the other half. <laughs> that, that, that the then they sit there on the podium and they give a marriage marriage lecture together and they just tell you that you just ever, you just meet in the middle on everything. Okay, I'm not saying that you don't ever meet in the middle, but mm-hmm. on important important issues like this, if if the husband taking a leadership role and and the the wife yielding to the, the husband's decision as far as saying no, we're going to attend church. If that makes the husband a dictator, mm-hmm. where he said that he's controlling, then you're looking at things through a very skewed lens. And and I've seen this I've seen this multiple times where where people start making biblical arguments and using scriptures to defend a position that they have, saying, well, my husband is this or or my wife is that, based off of their view off of what society says is reasonable for a spouse to expect from their, from their, from their, op, from, from their partner. Mm-hmm. So if, if your, if your husband actually finally steps up and takes the lead and you're not used to that, uh, that to me, uh, I, I would just say it could be a culture shock. Mm-hmm. If your husband actually finally starts leading out. Oh yeah. Uh, but that, that isn't, just because it's not normal in our society, it doesn't mean that it's wrong or that he's a control freak or that he's, you know, whatever the labels that your friends might start sticking on him because their husbands don't make them do that either. Oh, yeah. Well, so so that was the one point that I wanted to make. The other point is, uh, so if you if you if if your marriage is important enough, if you yeah, if your marriage is, is important enough to you that you're going to be willing to be considerate in any ways, uh, I would. I would say that I don't I don't see church attendance for husbands to be so important that they couldn't take some time to talk through it with their wife first. Mm-hmm. So I, I would I would highly recommend that even if this is your plan and this is what you intend to do, be be straightforward and be honest, but also be considerate. And it doesn't have to be this week. It doesn't have to be this month. It could be something that you sit down and you talk through. You let them know your intents, and then you are level-headed enough with it that you seek a church, you find a church, you you ask them to attend with you, and that and that you do this uh, in a a way that gives them a little time to adjust. And because- it might take some time for them to you know seriously come around right. or or anything. Keep in mind. Husbands don't have authority like God does. And husbands don't have authority like dads do. Dads can tell their kids to brush their teeth. And if they don't, well, then you can get out a paddle and spank their butt and make them brush their teeth. You don't have the same authority with your wife. It is influential. Your wife has to love and respect you and then she will follow you. So it sometimes, especially if you're starting from scratch, like Caleb mentioned, where this isn't normal and the husband isn't really the guy that leads much. Maybe when you got married, it's like, oh yeah, the wife kind of plans a calendar and she plans the whatever, the birthdays. And I, I just do whatever she says. And she likes that stuff. And that makes, you know, the whole family happy. Okay, if you're starting from there and you're now the Christian family and dad's trying to lead, there will be a period of adjustment. So it might take, you know, weeks or months before uh, she's willing to go to church with you. Right. And and yeah, so the point there is if if finding a spouse is important, finding the correct spouse, then also keeping the spouse you have is, is important enough. You're going to spend the rest of your life with this person. So don't let this week's service or next week's service mess up uh, or co- start causing a conflict that that would never be i don't think that would have ever been the the point of of a scripture that says you know not to forsake the gathering together it also 
that I think should be taken in context of the fact that you also are supposed to love you love your wife and or love your husband and submit yourself to them. So when you mm-hmm. if you if you're forsaking the gathering together with the believers for a week or two or a month or two in order to try to sort things out and do it in a peaceable, respectable way with your spouse and get into a church and start having fellowship. I don't see any, I I would actually, I would prefer to see people do things level-headed and that's just kind of rare, unfortunately, in Christianity to find people that actually are somewhat level-headed with the way that they do things and do it somewhat mature. It's pretty common to see people start acting acting childish and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a jerk for Jesus because that's what, you know, Jesus, I'm going to blame Jesus for this, for my immature behavior. And I don't think that we get a a free pass in that regard as as Christians, we should be, we should be more equipped to be uh, more loving and more mature with our spouse and be patient and and kind and and loving and all those other warm, fuzzy things that we want to get from church. We should be exemplifying those things at home as well. So I, that, that was my, the main point that I wanted to make there is, yes, picking the right spouse is important, but keeping your spouse is, is very important and, and keeping peace within the marriage and, and making peace within the marriage is important. And don't I just don't – there's times where I've seen couples where I was like, you know, I wish they would just quit attending church because it's mm-hmm. become such a toxic situation that they're headed for divorce and it's they're headed for divorce over church. And that's just yeah. the most ridiculous thing that you could imagine, that church actually becomes such a bad situation in a home that it could tear a home apart and maybe even ha- make it be more conflict and a, a worse upbringing for the children than if, than if they had just not even been attending church. And that's sad, but I've seen it. You know, when when my wife and I went through a real hard patch, and this was when we were, I don't want to say kicked out of a church, but, you know, it was pretty close. We were definitely kind of like blackballed and really treated really badly. And uh, we kind of didn't know what to do, and we were really hurt uh, from this one church. And we had a period where, um, you know, we weren't going to church. We weren't sure what we were doing. Then we kind of started, uh, you know, warming back up to it. And, uh, we were, uh, just doing church at our home with one other family, you know, but we still weren't branching out or looking for a church because kind of what we were going through emotionally was we were relating church and the pastor of the last one that we were at that really hurt us and we were thinking of all churches as yeah that's going to be run by a guy that's going to be you know uh, bad for us and and when while we were working through that i started going to churches um you know in the middle of the week uh, like on a on a midweek, you know, service to right. visit them or maybe on a Sunday night. And I was doing that by myself. And then my wife started doing that as well with her and the kids, you know, at different times in different places while we were kind of checking things out. But it wasn't always together. And my wife and I, we did not heal at the same rate. So we were both not ready to get back into church like normal, which for us was, you know, weekly. We were not ready to get back into that at the same time. And that was fine. Uh, You know, the fact that one of us was ready and the other was not, there was no pressure from the other one. You got it. It's just like, yep, I'm just not there. Okay, it's fine. You know, not, not a big deal. Um, so it, and it, and it ended up, uh, you know, really working out, uh, well in the end. Okay. So what about when a husband and wife are attending different churches? What do you think of that? Well, that's where it gets really petty. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man. So I have uh, multiple friends that are in that particular situation currently or have been in the past or both. And that is a fun one. That is really fun. How does it um, start? And I, okay. So I, I mean, it's not like they got way. married and they were both in different churches and they just kept going there. We're not talking about like a Catholic and a Lutheran where it's like, yeah, I'm just, you know, they just right. do their thing and I do my thing. And we're talking about actual Christians that, you know, go to church and read their Bible and love Jesus. Right. Yeah. So I, I would say probably it's most common if 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 one or the other is in a fairly unbiblical church mm-hmm. and the other one kind of comes to their senses. To find unbiblical. And they're like, oh, this isn't working. You mean like That's, a heavy handed, like cult like type of church? Yeah. OK, so there's one situation that I knew of in California where mm-hmm. the the husband was going to a Pentecostal church. The mm-hmm. wife was going to a Catholic church. OK, uh, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, some other situations where I've known of where one would have been attending a, a fairly controlling church, the other one left and was kind of seeking and going to other churches. Those are both um, situations that I, I, I understand why they end up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, it's never, I don't think it's ever completely cut and dried. It, it can be somewhat personalized and it, it sounds like a mess. But, what's that it sounds like a mess it doesn't sound like you know clean and easy it It sounds like definitely be a mess but here is here is where i have here's where i have an issue with it i don't think that christians okay so i think it's very healthy for a family to attend church together sure i think that it's very good for the family if you're both going to church go to church together Mm -hmm. please if at all possible the same church only reasonable thing to do and the the same service One of you don't go to the 8 a.m. service and one of you go to the 1030 service. Right. Okay. Yeah, attend, attend church together. It is something that brings the family together. It shouldn't be dividing a family. It should be something that you do together, worshiping God together as a family. Yeah. Um, I just don't see how it's, how it's healthy any other way other than that. But, okay, so I do think that there are some reasons to leave a church. Mm-hmm. And so I understand why a where why a couple would come to the point where they realize that they need to leave a church. Okay. Okay. I know of a situation where um, there's a couple that's in a church and the husband has stated that he would like to be elsewhere. He doesn't necessarily agree with the church leadership. Um, he's uh, considered whether or not it's actually a cult. And, and then the church that. leadership took out a restraining order against him. No, he's, this is something that he's kept quiet. It's between him and his wife. They're still attending church together. Oh, okay. The wife made it known to him that she did not feel that she could leave the church. She was born and raised there. And Mm -hmm. she felt that if she were to leave that church, that, um, that maybe it would jeopardize her salvation and that there wasn't any, the church actually teaches that this is Mm -hmm. the only true church. Okay. So so in that situation, no, 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 I I just saw a documentary on this. So the ATF came in and, and, or set fire to the building and everyone died, right? So that one, no, there was that a, one there, worked there's itself actually out. More than one, there's more than one church <laughs> like this in America. Okay, so in that situation, the husband is uh, being considerate and and uh, staying there because it's not. It's I've talked with him at length in this, and I don't believe that the church actually is teaching a false gospel. It's just kind of high minded and and heavy handed. Believes that they're the one and only church. Yeah, that's always that's like. I mean, seriously, think about the other churches that teach that. 
Catholicism right. teaches that. Mormonism teaches that. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that. Christian scientists teach that. I mean, seriously, what groups does your church teach that they're the one and only church? I mean, give me a no. break. Like, you think I'm going to stand up at the pulpit and have the audacity to say that the, the Lord Jesus, his one and only church is in Grand Junction, Colorado, renting out a basement? I mean, <laughs> you know, give me a break. You got you got to you have to start a franchise, get like three or four other locations. Oh, yeah. No, once you and then you can yeah. let them know. Yeah. Once you, you branch out into other diet. states, then it's like, oh, yeah, you know, brother so and so from, you know scottsdale <laughs> okay so i i think in the situation okay so for me mm-hmm. i would look at it a situation where i'm in a church that i disagree with it's unbiblical mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm trying to figure out my exit strategy and how do i get out of here and we had a podcast on this at one point how to yeah. when when should i leave my church uh, okay so you go back and listen to that my mind may have changed since then because I, I don't even remember what i said on that podcast <laughs> <laughs> but if I if I were to guess, um, my my definition wouldn't have changed over the years, and that is if your church teaches a false gospel, mm-hmm. if there's elders that aren't biblically, you know, if, if your pastor doesn't biblically qualify to be a pastor, you know, he's he's sleeping around with women in the church, there's gross unrepentant sin in the church, the mm-hmm. church isn't preaching against sin, um, you know, some of those type of things that I that I would see as as you know, kind of. These are must. These are big, big enough issues where it's like, yeah, we got to make a break. They just started serving uh, decaf coffee in the kitchen. We're out of here. <laughs> exactly. So you've got, Un- you've got homosexuality <laughs> in the church. Well, or, that, uh, I just said supporting- they started serving decaffeinated coffee in the kitchen, Caleb. That's a euphemism for the homosexuals, you know, <laughs> infiltrating the church. Like the, it's over. All right, pull the nails. <laughs> Let's start over. Anyways, yeah. So if if it gets to the point where where you feel that the church, or maybe there's abuse with finances in the church, where you mm-hmm. feel that the sure. you know that you're giving money that's supposed to be going to the church and it's being used in ways uh, that's unethical or you know illegal or something like that. You know, there's 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 big reasons like that where I would start considering an exit strategy. But sure. again, with an exit strategy. I think that, that those those conversations should start being had within the home, and you should take it at a pace. You may all of a sudden come to the conclusion after after months of feeling unsettled about something, mm-hmm. and be like, "All right, you know, I finally got it. I've nailed it down. I have biblical reasons, biblical grounds why we shouldn't be attending this church." Or say say you maybe there isn't maybe you just found a church that's across the street from you that you feel like is a biblical church mm-hmm. and you don't want to travel all the way across town. You can switch churches. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah. But sometimes what I found is people get in a frenzy because they get there. They're all butthurt over something that somebody said or something mm-hmm. that's, that they don't like at church. And so all of a sudden they have to leave without being considerate of their wife or their children. Mm. And, and that's where I've seen the situation happen where somebody just exits overnight and then it doesn't give the, the wife time to adjust. And I really think these things, they're big decisions. It just kind of like buying a house or ch- switching a job, uh, uh, picking a church. These are big decisions that you make as a family together, and they should be made together. And so, as you're planning your exit strategy from a church, you, your 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 spouse should understand why. And if it's from a biblical perspective, and and it's not something that can be resolved, it's not just a dispute where you don't like brother so and so because they looked at you the wrong way or they didn't return the the tool that they borrowed in a timely manner, and so you're upset. Hold on. We just lost audio. 
There's no audio. Do you see anything? Nope. We got nothing from you. Check that out for a second. Sorry, I was just listening. I'm not really <laughs> prepared. Okay, do you have me back? Yeah, you're back, but you're really echoey. But go That's ahead. Ju- jump on in. Just great. It's okay. Hang on. Did that die? Yeah, I have a good friend of mine in Colorado that ma- mailed me this really nice microphone at one point. The guy sounds like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he definitely was. Well, I didn't. I didn't. What did he mail you a microphone for? Either. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Is What's this, that? Th- why would he even mail you a microphone? That makes no sense at all. Well, I'm going to take this off because it, I don't know if it died or what. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you're you're on yeah, the so, computer mic. We can still hear you, so go for it. Yeah. So anyway, I guess the moral of the story is I, I think that I think that these are big enough decisions that you should make them wisely and make them together as a couple. And if it takes your wife six months or three months, or you guys, if she's not comfortable just leaving the church without knowing where she's going, those are things that need to be talked about and, and discussed. Ultimately. You, I think you have the responsibility as the head of the home to have your your family in a biblical church. It doesn't have to be a church. I don't. I I, I find it hilarious when I find people that are looking for a church that feels good to them, or that sure. they find the right church. Like, I really don't care what the what the name on the church is, or where, uh, how how their coffee is, or how their music is, or you know, a lot of those things are personal preference issues. But if it's a biblical church and that's what you're looking for that's a reason to me to switch churches. If it's, if, if things are unbiblical and, and you're, you're saying, no, I would like to be, I'd like my family to be in a church that actually preaches the gospel that isn't preaching a false gospel that, that doesn't, that believes that Jesus is, is actually God manifest, you know, in, in, in the flesh that is not a, a created being. Mm-hmm. If he, if, if they, if, you know, if, if you have if sufficient reason, church, uh, What's that? I was just finishing your sentence. If you have sufficient reason to leave, yeah. there, it's not the end yeah, of the world. Yeah, I was attending a, a Mormon church, and they said that Jesus was created by God as part of the creation, and that he's, you know, a, 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 an angel or Lucifer's brother or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call him. And all of a sudden, I wake up to this, and I realize, hey, this is not a biblical church. They don't believe in Jesus being who he said he was. He's not God. Mm-hmm. And so I'm here I am worshiping a created being and rather than worshiping the creator. And this is unbiblical. Mm-hmm. And so I decide that I need to leave that church. That is grounds that I think as a, a spiritual leader of the home that I need to make that decision. And it is my responsibility to do that. I just think it should be done as mo- as considerate of a manner as, as possible that you, that you try to bring your wife with you and your kids with you and that you exit, that you exit together and that you give, give the rest of the family a little bit of time to, to understand what's going on and, and to, and to maybe wash them in the water of the word as the leader of the home and, and educate them on what the Bible actually says on this. I don't think that it, I, I just don't see it reasonable that, that, that a husband would say, okay, that's fine. If you want to attend church here, I don't like this church for no biblical reason, but because I don't like this church or I don't like the pastor or I don't like uh, the music or whatever, I'm going to go to church across the street and you can go to church here with the kids. I just find that to be, if it's not for a biblical reason, if, if at all possible, just 
put it, put your petty differences aside and go to church together. And, and really in that situation, the, the, the wife should just go ahead and go, <laughs> go along with the husband because God made that easy. If there's, you know, if, if, if there's any possible way that the husband can lead out in the home, don't try to reverse that order and have the, 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 the wife be the spiritual leader it just complicates things. Yeah. And again, if you are a husband that is already doing your job, which means you are teaching your family the word of God, you are leading your family in Bible reading and in prayer and, and in going to church and talking about the Bible, it's not going to be difficult to leave a place where you find some big problems because your family is already used to you sitting down and having a conversation and talking to them about things and teaching them things and going over doctrinal points in the Bible. So when you come across something like that, you should be able to uh, have the whole family be on board and you can make your decision and make your move together. And you can, you can get someplace, you know, that's going to be better for you. I think if you are a spiritual man, if you're, if you're a father, specifically, if you have children, your, your wife and children should know how it is that you believe Mm -hmm. it it shouldn't come to them as a surprise where they just always think that dad believes whatever the pastor says. And that's the only spiritual leadership that's in the home. That's the only teaching that's in the home. You're not reading the Bible together as a family. You're not, you're not discussing things together as a family. Um, if, if you were to ask my wife what I believe on almost any given subject, I think she'd have a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. She may even have a better idea of how I believe on something than, than how she would believe on it. Not because, not because she's not a, a Bible thinker or doesn't read her Bible or whatever, but because I, I have spent, I've spent plenty of time discussing the issues that I, that I believe are important with, with other Christians in fellowship around our dinner table and whatnot. And so my, it's no secret what I believe. And so if we all, all of a sudden found ourselves in a church where all of a sudden they started preaching a different gospel, I don't think it would catch my wife or children by surprise if I said, yeah, you know, we need to pump the brakes here. This isn't going in the direction we thought it was. I think we need to exit and, and do something different. Um, I, it wouldn't catch them out of left field when I say, well, I actually believe that my salvation comes through Jesus or I don't believe that the church should be buying this new building and and using the funds the way they're doing it or, you know, borrowing all this money and, and putting their members under un, unreasonable pressure to try to cough up this flashy, you know, building that they're buying, you know, whatever the issue would be, it would be consistent with my beliefs that I've had. My beliefs aren't coming from, it's not like my wife thinks that I just believe whatever the pastor says. That's never been the case. And it shouldn't be the case. I, I think for most, for most Christians, you should have some standards and some values before you ever join a church yeah. that that you take with you into that church and that are still somewhat your guiding compass your bible is and jesus is ultimately who you're following and if the church goes astray and all of a sudden you have a gay pastor it shouldn't take anybody by surprise when you're automatically exiting that to me automatically excludes me because it's not really an authentic church it's not really a biblical church so yeah i think i think that knowing where you stand on biblical issues makes up and, and your your family your wife knowing where you stand makes it a lot easier again like we said earlier you're leading in a direction they know where you're going and it's easier for them to follow you at that point yeah i mean i love my church but my family knows a half a dozen differences that i believe that are different from the pastor of that church and and that's okay Wait, I thought you were the pastor. I am. I am. But there's some things that I just don't agree with. Okay. I see. 
you don't see eye to eye. No. So, yeah, I'm going to say, you know, husband and wife going to two different churches. I mean, that's just a recipe for a train wreck. It is, it is not biblical. It is nonsensical. Uh, and really what you have is, uh, someone is messing up their responsibility, husband or wife, you know, they're not doing their job because you need to be able to come together and find a good place for your family to go to church. And it's not supposed to be two different churches. I mean, that's, that's never going to work. All right. Any other issues you want to bring up as far as church attendance? We, uh, we kind of covered, you know, some of the issues with couples, that are going different places or one's not going or whatnot um we uh we really didn't touch um much on the idea of if it's important you know what's the reason for it what do you get from church i mean there's a lot of places we can go with this but at the same time we just hit an hour so i just want to see one thing that one thing that you did bring up that i that i thought i would touch on i think i may have mentioned this in previous episodes too Mm -hmm. but if you are if, if you are a wife that has a husband that you believe is a controlling dictatorial husband, mm-hmm. and I forgot to mention this earlier, but when you're talking, I thought of this, the best place for that man to be is in church yeah. because he's got accountability. He's got other feedback into his life other than you. And he, and somebody else that's going to provide some checks and balances that you actually really need. So, so if you're, if you're, uh, we kind of have talked, more so about the situations where the wife is wanting to go to church and the husband's pushing back. Uh, I I would find it, I would find it, how would I say this? Okay, so I, on a couple of situations I've known of where the wives knew that their husband is a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. <gasps> church, what? Attending church, you knew a couple of those situations? Right. Okay, no, I, I mean like, okay, so everyone's like, We're not right? talking about a mild, you know, general level of hypocrisy. We're talking about like two faces, Jekyll and Hyde. Okay, right. okay very different so public face he, he than at home. church on Sunday, but he doesn't yeah. act like a Christian at all. The time yeah, he yeah. reads his Bible. Yep, I get He's it. He's living in unrepentant sin, but mm-hmm. yet he shows up to Sunday and puts on his game face yeah. and it just drives the wife nuts. And it's, she hates going to church with him because he's just such a, you know, he has everybody there fooled and she doesn't like it. Sure. Okay. So a guy like that, that's where he needs to be too, mm-hmm. even though it's annoying. And so in a situation like that, where the wife is just like, you know what, this is a joke. My yeah. husband is, you know, I know, I know him. I know how he is. He, he's not really a, he's not really a very sincere Christian yet. He shows up to church and he plays the part on, on Sunday. Um, pray for your husband, but your husband needs church more than he needs anything else. And he may not be getting anything out of it this Sunday. He may not get anything out of it this year, but at some point God can get through to him. And it's very likely that, uh, that it will come through him actually attending church. If he's willing, if there's still a spark there where he wants to attend church, maybe it's for the wrong reasons. I still think that you should still be attending church together, even if it drives you crazy and and you're like, no, this is, this guy's a joke. Uh, that's, that was the thought that I thought of. When it's you were talking still about a better yes. place than yeah, at it's home. The best place he could be. Absolutely. At least God can get a hold of them there. You know, you remove church and there's probably very little Bible that enters the ears and the heart of that individual. Right. Right. Okay. And so, yeah, I think it's good for spouses to be supportive of each other in church, even if they know, even if you know your spouse, you know, we all know our spouse's weaknesses. We see their shortcomings mm-hmm. and we, and, and, and you could look at them in church and be like, oh yeah, that's, it's a front and it drives you crazy because you know that that's not really who they are. 
uh, the rest of the week or whatever, that's where they need to be anyways. So take your, take, go to church together with your spouse and be supportive of them. Don't, don't, I, I, I one of the things that I really despise uh, uh, being a, a part of ministry that I, that I can't stand is, is husbands and wives that choose to be competitive with church and make it a petty situation where they start trying to try to uh, talk each other down in front of the church or make it this toxic situation where they ruin all of the spouse's friends. Don't do that. Just go to church, worship God, ignore your spouse if you need to, so you can focus on God and, and you need it, they need it. And, and the reason we go to church isn't because we're perfect people. It's because we're broken and we need Jesus. So we go, oh, there. Yeah. we go there to get fellowship and to, and to seek help. And, and so sometimes you're with a hurting spouse maybe even an unbelieving spouse, maybe your, your spouse is interested, but they're not saved yet. They need, that's where they need to be. They need to be in church. They need to be hearing the gospel and they need to be being brought back to Christ. So that's, that was my thought on that is it's the best place for them to be. If your wife and your husband is willing to go, don't push back against it. That just don't do that. That's, that's where you need them. Yeah. I've had periods in my life where I was really close to God and other periods in my life where I was really far from God, but I stayed in church the whole time and it really was the best thing for me. Um, if I could just kind of give you a verse or two about the reasons that we go there, um, it says uh, in Hebrews three twelve and 13, take heed brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. God tells us there that we can avoid an evil heart of unbelief when, or what we, the way we should probably phrase it is how do we avoid an evil heart of unbelief by departing from the living God and hardening through the deceitfulness of sin, question mark, by exhorting one another. That happens when we go to church. There are not a lot, there are not a lot of places in my life throughout the week other than church where I'm around a bunch of other Christians that encourage one another and support one another. That's where it happens. Um, there's not a lot of places throughout the week, Caleb, where I receive a lot of encouragement and support for uh, my alcoholism other than the one hour that I go to an AA meeting that week. That's where I get it. So that's where you want to go because there are going to be Christians there that are going to exhort and encourage you, and that's going to help you to uh, depart from sin and um, stay away from an evil heart of unbelief, as the as the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah, if I was to leave it with one verse, um, I, I kept thinking of this throughout the evening over and over again with uh, with with everything we've talked about tonight, uh, oftentimes I think it comes down to to how you do it, why you do it, more so than what you what you do, and that's how you end up getting it wrong. And so uh, Romans twelve, um, yeah, Romans twelve verse eighteen says, "If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men." If that would be practiced within the home and within the church, uh, you probably wouldn't end up crossways with somebody who need to leave church for a petty reason. Make peace if possible. Make peace at church. Make peace at home. And ultimately, obey God. And I think that that He can give us guidance as we enter these complicated situations. And and, and 
I think his will is to redeem everything, to keep a marriage together and, and for the unbelieving spouse to, to come to him. And if there's conflict in the church, I just, I think sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. We get all wrapped up in the church, the politics of church and just for crying out loud, find the Baptist church down on the corner of the street and go to church together. Whatever, <laughs> who cares? Who cares about, you know, where, where you have friends? It's not, it's not, yes, we get fellowship and we get encouragement, but it's not about the social status or how people view you at your church and how you're liked and who said this and who thinks this about you. All that petty stuff that can, can enter into it. That's what, that's what the unbelievers do. That's what the heathens do. As Christians, we should be loving and, and kind and supporting of one another, even when we have problems. When when you're attending church with somebody that's broken and has has issues in their life, just love them. And and when you have problems, people are going to work on you with those, and they might call you out and say some things that you don't like over the phone, but you still get on a podcast with them anyway. So <laughs> you just <laughs> you just make peace. And I, I think that, that that goes a long ways in, in being productive in the kingdom. You can get caught up in petty little differences, and pretty soon it tears the whole the whole meaning of church goes out the window. Pretty soon, like I said, I've seen it get so toxic that that it's, it would be better if if the, no, no one was attending church because it's become such a you know they're they're using church as a tool to fight each other with, and that's not what that's not what it's about. Yeah, you mentioned before the idea of uh, church being a place, you know, where uh, where sinners meet kind of like where a hospital is a place where the sick go we go there because of our imperfections because of our faults and our failures we go there to get help we go there to get spiritual help and spiritual guidance and direction and spiritual encouragement and the day that i don't need those things is the day that the lord calls me home until then the very best that i'm ever gonna be is a sinner there is nothing good in me there's nothing righteous in me my heart is deceitful and wicked you know i am absolute garbage as a human being and will remain so until i die or the lord calls me home one day when i hear a trumpet blast that's why I go to church. I go to church because I need it and it's good for me. And that's the same today when I'm pastoring a church. And because they don't have decaf coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, okay. Let's just not even bring that up. Okay. That's offensive to a lot of people. I don't even want to go down that road. So <clears throat> it's important for me as a Christian, when I was a new Christian, when I was a Christian for many years and was teaching a Sunday school class, when I was a Christian for even many more years and now I'm as a pastor, it doesn't matter. I still need church just as much. I don't go to church because I'm the pastor. Before I was a pastor, I was going to church every week. It's good for me and I like the person that I am when I'm going there, when I'm listening, when I'm learning from God and when I'm becoming more and more like him. That's, that's my goal. Well, uh, we're at an hour and 10 minutes, uh, and I know you're on vacation, so I don't want to keep going with uh, questions for you. I think this is a good place to call it if you're okay with that. Yep. Okay, so I just want to thank everyone for joining us this evening. Uh, If you Google Bible Thumper Podcast, you will find a Facebook page and a YouTube channel, and you can watch these videos every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, 8 p.m. Central. Uh, Sometimes we have technical issues like tonight. We got started about half an hour late, but we're usually on, you know, every Sunday night and you can get on, you can comment, you can ask questions and kind of be a part of the show. And then you can listen to us 
on any place that you download a podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google Play. Uh, we put all of these up on a podcast platform. And if you want to contact me, you can do it at BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have a subject that you want us to go over, we'd be happy to, you know, kind of jump in and, and, you know, wrangle any subject that you want to talk about. Uh, so with that, Caleb, thank you very much for uh, joining us. I really appreciate you making uh, time during uh, your, uh, whatchamacallit, um, during your vacation. I'm sorry to yes. hear that they don't have electricity or outlets down there, because if they did, I know you could have charged up your headphone like a grown-up before we started. But, you know, you're in Puerto Rico, so we know that the, we're, we're lucky that there's Internet service down there, and you're obviously— well, You're just lucky that you got me to come down here and do something religious on Sunday, because I didn't skip church this morning. We're, we're lucky I was, that— I was enjoying my vacation so much, I didn't even remember it was Sunday. We're just lucky that the generator uh, will run off of bananas down there there so you have enough power to power up your laptop so that's good news so we'll catch you in a month i don't know what the topic is but thank you very much uh everyone have a good night and we'll catch you next week